When you need internal audit, SOX, or IT audit support, contact Thomas Molinex at Revision Management Consulting. Based in Houston, Texas, his experts average 15 years experience in a variety of industries and business types. Contact Thomas today via Messenger here on LinkedIn or at Thomas at r-vmc.com. Again, that is Thomas at r-vmc.com. Hey, hey, what's happening, guys? We're here. You, everyone. Joe, you look different today. Oh, I know. <laughs> but I said Joe, a.k.a. Galena, is actually wearing a pink headband, but she corrected me a little bit. It's a shade of pink. And today's story has shades of pink. Oh, boy, does it have shades of pink. So look, you guys, hey, you're on episode number 51 of the Friday Froster. She graduated from Fraud University, apparently. We're going to talk about that. But before we do, Joe's birthday. Is it today or is it was it this week? It's today, actually, right? No, it was it was um, Tuesday. Tuesday, the okay. 29th, Tuesday. It's Joe's birthday. So here's what I want you guys to do. I want you all to go spam her on LinkedIn with happy birthdays. And all she's been celebrating so hard and so long that she missed today's episode. So, But it's okay. She's forgiven. Exactly. <laughs> so everybody go to Joe's profile on LinkedIn and just drop in a happy birthday, Joe. So Kelly, wait a minute. That's a different background. Where are you today, Kelly? I'm in the or on the Upper East Side in the Big Apple, and I just got here at like six this morning. So I'm a little, a little, you know, tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys know how I feel about apples. <sighs> One bad apple. Well, apparently. For today's story, we have one bad apple. Galena, you kind of moaned when I said you know how I feel about apples. Wait a minute. You're an apple user too, Galena. Oh, definitely. Oh, God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And we were becoming friends. It's, it's okay. I'm going to go it's to okay. the Apple store in Manhattan. It's stunning. It's all smoke and mirrors. It's all smoke and mirrors. Mm. Oh, we have some familiar people and we have people from the Bahamas. I'm reading the comments. Sorry. Wow. Yeah, that is Garnell from the Bahamas. Galena is politely ignoring my Apple comment. <laughs> and Ben is here from Houston. Speaking of Houston, so look, you guys, I actually had lunch with Thomas uh, the other day. I can't remember what day it was. This is the power of LinkedIn and this is the power of connecting with people. So Thomas and I had lunch in downtown Houston, uh, I think it was Wednesday. Heck, I can't remember. All the days are running together nowadays. So Dan, I'm going to give you a call, my man. So we got to have lunch one day soon. Thank you, Benita. I will be treating myself. <laughs> so yeah, Benita says we will be at the fraud retreat and we'll have birthday cake there. All right, so Sounds look, exciting. you guys, you've seen the headline, right? Here's what we're talking about today. A former charter school board president has been found guilty of Hal's favorite crime, wire fraud, and also embezzlement. And it uh, happened in Florida. 
of course it did. <laughs> but here's the catch. It wasn't a Florida man this time. It was a Florida woman. At least one of them, right? Oh, Thomas's birthday is also today. Happy That's birthday, right. Thomas. Yes, Thomas's birthday is today. And who said that? Oh, Gornell said, wait, yeah, Gornell said that. Yeah, Thomas's birthday is today too. And he's not here. He must be out celebrating. Maybe he went to pick his kids up early from the charter school. <laughs> hey, my kids went to a charter school. There was no fraud at my kids' charter school. But no. it wasn't in Florida. Exactly. Bonita says she didn't know how had a favorite fraud crime. All right, guys. So here's the deal. A federal jury in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, found Jamika Williams, a.k.a. Jamika Mason, guilty of two counts of theft concerning programs receiving federal funds and 18 counts of wire fraud. So according to court records and evidence, she was the president of something called Advancement of Education in Scholars Corporation, AESC. It was a Florida nonprofit corporation that operated the Paramount Charter School, PCS. And this was in Broward County. Now, PCS received federal funding through something called Title I. And what Title I is, if a school has more than 50% of its students that are eligible for free lunch, meaning uh, lower income or reduced cost lunches, they receive additional state funding. So now, through evidence that was presented at trial, it was shown that between 2015 through June of 2017, Williams unlawfully enriched herself by making payments totaling $389,857, to be exact, but who's really counting, right? From the AESC's business bank account to PCS, but yet she didn't use the money on the school. Hmm. She used it to pay for a vehicle, to pay for private school, I'm assuming maybe for her children, for rent, and for other personal expenses, not for the benefit of the school. Kelly, Galena, what, what do you guys think? Just, um, okay, first off, I want to give a couple of hints or tips. So I'm going to click to the other page. There was a football player that they used him to kind of give themselves social capital. Okay, have a Google alert on your name, guys. Maybe the football player should have a Google alert on his name and see where, you know, they've been doing it. Um, also, this isn't the first charter school. They said, uh, the story said that there were four schools that they were investigating. But the other thing is, it went to trial. These are so unusual to go to trial. So incredibly unusual to go to trial. And why is that? What do you think that is? And uh, what, what I noticed about the trial before we go into other details, it took a week and a half. The trial lasted a week and a half. Do you know how expensive trials are? They're very, very expensive, exceptionally expensive. So a week and a half for trial on this is a lot of money. It's incredible. Yeah, it probably costs more than she stole. <laughs> Absolutely. And so that begs the question, could this have been done to send a message? Because we know we've done other stories on um, 
uh, charter schools. We've done like three or four. And we see that throughout the nation, there's something wrong here. There's a lot of money that's being misused in private in um, charter schools across the U.S. So maybe this was being done to send a message. I don't know. But I, I wondered the same thing. I wonder how much the trial cost. Yeah. Um, in reading one of the uh, one of the articles, it says that they submitted the application in August of 2013, right? So they submitted the application in August of 2013. The school ran from 2015 until 2017. So it took four years. Oh, sorry, it took my math is wrong. It took two years between the application submission and um, for the school to start running. But when they submitted it, it was 344 pages. That I am, I'm impressed by that. Do you think it was a cookie cutter situation or? Okay. Oh, that's so funny. You mentioned that Galena. So I did investigation years ago. Um, and <laughs> it was like, you know, they had done a project and so there was no deliverable. So the person had to quickly get a deliverable. So I did the little Google machine and I like cut and pasted. It came from a Fortune 50 um, company. Like they cut and pasted. Oops. Oh. <laughs> um, so it's like a K, like a, a, a Form 8K or something like that. One of the forms that was filed yep. by the company. And oh. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, they showed it to the suspect and he didn't have a whole heck of a lot to say because it was huge parts of this report that was cut and pasted from another corporation's report that actually had done the work. Yeah. So let's dig a little bit deeper into this because we have some people listening who are just listening because they're like, what in the heck is going on? We have some people who are auditors and we have some people who are fraud investigators. So this application, like you guys just said, it was 344 pages long and it was described as quote unquote impressive, but it was impressive simply because it was thick. When they actually went through and started analyzing it, they noticed that there was a lot of name dropping and things like that. However, the credentials of the individuals who were running the school, one woman had run uh, some other company. It was a uh, lending company like mortgages or something like that. I forgot exactly what type of lending, but it was a lending company. And then one of her vice presidents that was listed was actually a college student who had no idea she was listed as a vice president. She said that she got the role through her school because somebody said, hey, here's a nonprofit that needs someone. And she said, OK, and they just put her name in the documentation and listed her as a board member and a vice president. Now, the football player, the football player, I think he's retired now, um, but he was a fairly decent player back in the day. When they contacted him, he said that he had no idea that his name was listed on this thing. He was not affiliated with this nonprofit organization. So one of the big problems is when you have schools that are charter schools, and I'm not saying charter schools are good or bad. Right now, I'm just talking about the oversight of them. When you have a school that's run by a city or a county, you typically have oversight from the stakeholders in the community, right? There's usually a board that's set up from people in the community. There's usually some sort of auditing function. There's usually some sort of complaint function where you can complain and get adequate help. If it's a charter school, typically it's either run by a small nonprofit, which she just started this nonprofit, or a for-profit company 
which may or may not have auditors in the company. So from the onset of this business, there were some red flags based on the documentation that they filed. 344 pages of impressive bull crap. Very impressive. Say something really awful. I'm going to say April Fool's. Uh, a huge red flag. They, they, uh, they claim to, to have been, like a, the enrollment would have been over a thousand students, and in subsequent years, there would have been up to 1,500 students and up. So that's, that's really, really unfortunate. Well, and you know, there have been cases, and I'm not saying this is one of the cases where they, pay the parents to enroll the kids. So they give a kickback to the parents. So, I mean, I, I don't think it happened in this case, but that's a lot of students to quickly enroll. And, you know, like I said, my kids went to charter schools. We were very, very like careful, you know, like it wasn't gonna be, it, and there was a lot of parent activity and that was part of the reason. Right. Yeah. Well, to the point that you just made, Kelly, a lot of people start the charter schools because they think they want to do good in the community. However, they're ripe for fraud because we we talked about one on this show where they just paid parents to say that their children were enrolled and they weren't. So there's a lot of money to be made from the charter schools. Now, Benita can't believe it because she's like, what the? But this story gets even better because about a month after the school started, they actually started firing teachers. They went through three principals and they started firing teachers. Some teachers went on record to say that they were hired and they said that they were gonna get a $36,000 a year salary. But shortly after they were hired, the administrators told them that they needed to take a $6,000 pay cut and forego their benefits. Now, how you do that to someone after they've started a job, I'm not real sure. $36,000 is not a lot of money to begin with, but asking them to take a $6,000 pay cut and then forego benefits is very detrimental. So a lot of the teachers simply just quit. The staff turnover, it's not just the staff turnover, right? I mean, you're looking at the principal, the turnover in principals, three in one year alone. So the school technically operated or stayed open for two years, only two years, but they had three principals that left in one year alone. That's tough. That's really, really, yeah. And again, this is something like, do you want your kids to learn this at that age that people do stuff like this? Uh-uh, uh-uh. It's too big of a life lesson to learn when they're little, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it gets better or worse. You know, when I say better, it really means worse, right? So, <laughs> so one of the teachers actually said, there's no discipline policy. There's no schedule. I didn't even get the names of my students, another teacher said. One said, we had no computers for the kids. I had one lock on the door couldn't lock the door from the inside, said another teacher. Sometimes I had third graders with second graders. I never really knew who was coming to my class. There was no discipline matrix and I had no supplies. Yeah. Mm. 
question. Do you think, Kelly, what do you guys think? Do you think that this individual found a loophole? Or she saw a potential opportunity and she really wanted to do good? It just was too much? No. <laughs> I don't think she wanted to do this. Too quick, too quick. <laughs> I, I mean, she did it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I didn't look to see if she had a criminal history. Do you know? I could not find where she had a criminal history. I do know that she had no experience in education and neither did any of the board members that I could see. The football player, the college student, nor herself had experience in education. Yeah. And that may or may not be a red flag, to be honest with you, right? Because you can, right. you know, you can find someone that does have that experience and compliment you. But what we're trying to say here is, there wasn't anyone that's remotely qualified uh, to run the school that was part of the school, part of the board. Yeah, but let's go back to the big question that you just asked, Galena. You said, um, do you think she just found some sort of loophole? And Kelly quickly answered no. Now, this is just my opinion. I have to say that Galena and Kelly may not have the same opinion, but I'm of the same opinion of Kelly. And here's why, though. What she ended up doing was she transferred money from the school's account into another bank account, and then she used that for personal expenses. The school was only open for two years. Now, if you look at the application that she filed, one could say that there were fraudulent elements within the application because she listed a football player that she had apparently no dealings with, and she listed a board member who did not know she was a board member who was still a college student. The application was 236 pages long, which gives me some indication that you set out to defraud from the beginning. Also, she came from the mortgage industry. Mortgage industry is ripe with fraud if you actually know how to do it. She started a nonprofit. We all know that nonprofits, if you do them right, you can commit fraud in a big way because no one questions nonprofits because they supposedly have a mission and a vision that is bigger than anything in the world. So again, the school was open for two years. As soon as it opened, they went through three principals and teachers were told that they needed to take pay cuts and many teachers left and some teachers were also fired. So now what that tells me is either A, someone set out to defraud from the beginning or B, they really wanted to do the right thing and they got in over their heads and the ego got in the way and they couldn't admit that they needed help. Yeah. The amount of money I found was very interesting. So what I did not know was, uh, so it's reading from the article, with roughly 270 students at the opening, the new school in Sunrise has already received $740,000 in taxpayer funded money and was slated to get about $3 million during the school year. I don't know. I, I am involved a little bit in my kids' schools. Um, they go to public schools, so I kind of am familiar, but that's that's a good, that's sizable amount for 270 students. That is a sizable amount. Let me pause right here for just one moment. Gornell is saying happy birthday to my man, Alaba. Alaba, happy birthday. Forgot to say that on the show. So we've got Thomas, we've got Joe, and we have Alava all around the same time period. You guys go flood Alava's timeline with happy birthdays. So now, Galena. This is not a joke, too. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a lot of money, but here's what happens. So because it is a Title I school, if you read the law, Title I schools means that those schools are entitled to a, a lot of money for a lot of different reasons. One, they get a pot of money for lunch. 
So almost everyone in the school can get either free or reduced lunch. And what most schools end up doing is they just say everyone at this school will get free lunch because the money is coming from the government. They also get other, I forgot what other reasons they get money for, but they get different pockets of money for different things. And some of those things are attributes. You know, this, you know, the school has 50% of its students that are less than uh, uh, the poverty line. And some of those attributes are um, performance driven. They perform well on this standardized test. So, yeah. Attendance could be an issue too. I know in yeah, Texas, I think that's you know, that's, that's heavy. Yeah, I think that is another so that's, one. That's 700,000, you know, comes out to about $2,500 a student. And mm -hmm. I know in my state, you know, the per student fee is a lot more than that. So that was just the start of it. But there's a great quote at the end of um, an article that you posted. It was from a blog. Uh, charter schools do not to need to be treated like traditional schools. Traditional schools need to be valued and America's market worshiping, public money squandering, charter school infestation needs to come to an end. I was like, ooh, that's strong. <laughs> that is very so, strong. Yeah. So yeah, I just did a quick Google search. Education spending by state. Apparently in Florida, the average spending per pupil is $10,098. Yeah. So that was probably just for like, you know, the first quarter. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. 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 So, yeah it's, you, you're absolutely quarters, right. But I think, mm -hmm. I think they do kind of do it by quarters because, you know, it, it does vary throughout the year. Yeah. It was the beginning. I think it was the first payment potentially uh, because it said that it was slated to get about 3 million uh, during the school year. So, yeah. Yeah, sounds about sounds about right. Um, so that's interesting. So what can we learn here, though, about risk and controls? If it smells fishy at the beginning, it probably is. stop trying to get Lysol and kill the smell. I mean, explore it, investigate it. Um, what do you guys think? I don't think charter schools in and of themselves are bad. I don't think nonprofits in and of themselves are bad. I think that there are people who can manipulate these systems. What do you guys think about that? Um, absolutely. I mean, any system can be manipulated, but for it's Florida. Okay. Hal's not here today. And obviously they were looking at other schools and there's a woman in California in LA who did she stole three million, and she used almost ten percent of it to go to Disney. So, because this woman was in Disney, I'm going to say she went to Disney too. Um, but people don't think there's a lot of money in schools, and there there's a ton of money in schools, a ton. Especially when you're paying your teachers thirty six grand a year, that's not that's not a lot. Absolutely. So, especially for a charter school. So here's what I'm gonna do while we're here. I'm gonna show you guys the news story so that you can see the players involved and what they had to say. And give me just one moment while I set this up, my friends, because I, what do you say about it? You know, it's just very interesting. So I'm gonna set up the video and hopefully you guys will be able to see it and hear it if i do this right 
because I'm working on the fly today. I didn't have this set up from the beginning, but uh, let's get it cracking here. All right, there's our video. Let's take a listen to what happened here and see the tomfoolery that occurred. Last night we told you about a troubled charter school and now we are learning that those troubles may have begun even before the school was approved by the Broward School Board. And our local 10 investigator Bob Norman discovered the telltale signs and you won't believe what happened when Bob paid a visit to the school. Here's part two of his report that you will see only on Local 10. You do not have my permission. You do not have permission. While shooting video at the new Paramount Charter School in Sunrise, we were taken by surprise. Not have permission. Take your hand off the camera now. I had to pry her hands off the camera. Permission. Get your hands off. He does I'm going to protect permission. the camera. I'm okay. going to protect the camera. He does not have permission, though. You shouldn't have touched that. No, camera. but he doesn't have my permission. That's this illegal. Is, no, it's not. On the street, yeah. he's, on, he's, on, he's on public okay, street. Okay, well, now I'm on private property. I later learned this was Maya Williams, an erstwhile board member at Paramount, a taxpayer-funded school that former teachers, parents, and kids say is in disarray after almost all the teachers were either fired or resigned just a month into the school year. They told me all types of great things that the school was going to be doing, and they fell through on everything. My child isn't learning anything. Williams' sister, Jamika Mason, shown here. Jamika! And here, driving away from our camera, is the president of the company that owns the school, the Advancement of Education and Scholars Corporation. She doesn't list any experience as an educator in her school board application, just work running an unsecured home improvement loan company. When we stopped by the school's listed corporate office in Boca Raton, well, they're not here right now, but can you please not tape? We were told off camera that the company rents no actual office space, just a quote, virtual office to receive mail and phone messages. And the recently listed vice president of the company, Ashley Challenger, turned out to be a college student without professional experience. Challenger told me on the phone that she got her board position through a contact at the college, but didn't know she was listed as vice president and had no idea what was going on at the school. The company also listed former NFL player and reality TV star Hank Basket as a non-voting board member, but Basket's agent said he had nothing to do with the school. I think the school board should definitely investigate. It baffles my mind that they might get away with this. These Paramount teachers resigned after they said the school abruptly cut their pay and benefits. I just don't understand how you can give somebody a school I just, just based on paper. School, how you give them the children. In the past two years, at least four charter schools have been abruptly shut down in Broward alone, displacing hundreds of students and costing taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars. So okay, so I have to say something right off the top. Range Rover. There you go. I saw that too. <laughs> I'm doing a presentation next week, and sure enough, it's another school, but it's Yale, and we maybe we'll do that story next week because it's crazy. It is just absolutely nuts. But Range Rover, G-Wagon, um, yeah, I, like, honestly, if my kid's charter school, if the principal showed up or the assistant principal showed up in a Range Rover, and, and my kids eventually went to a private school, and they still didn't show up in Range Rovers. Yep. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a nice one too. <laughs> it wasn't a beat up one. <laughs>
Bonita says garage audits. We all know Kelly likes the parking lot audits. They they make sense though. They, they make sense. Garage oh, audits. Yeah. <laughs> and Heather, oh my gosh, yeah. The children are the ones that are getting the bad end of this. And that is. It's and and then the parents are disappointed. And can you imagine being a working parent and all of a sudden your kid is like, I don't have school, mom. Like my school shut down, the scramble. And then you realize that they haven't learned anything. I mean, yikes. Well, if you look at what that news story said, four charter schools had closed down in Broward County alone. For those of you who don't know, Broward County is right in the Miami area. Um, so four charter schools had closed. Now I'm, I'm willing to guess they closed because of mismanagement. Now let's go back to the earlier point though. You don't necessarily have to be an education professional in order to run a charter school, right? You could hire people to actually execute the education process, but you definitely need people who understand business and know how to run a business. And when they looked at this woman's background, well, it didn't look like she was qualified and she had board members who didn't know that they were board members and a vice president that didn't know she was vice president because she was still a college student. Mm -hmm. <sighs> Do we know um, how she uh, got to trial? I couldn't find that information. Because that know. was, that yeah. was interesting to me. What, what led uh, was you? I couldn't find that either, but my guess would be the charter school probably closed because it didn't have adequate, you know, teachers and food and because I can only imagine the things that weren't said on the news If they were firing teachers. Can you imagine lunch staff was probably let go security staff was probably let go as well. Uh, I'm imagining parents complained and something had to change. So I think next week we should do the Yale story. Oh, we are definitely doing the Yale story. <laughs> yeah, next week we'll go from a charter school to one of the richest schools. Absolutely, we are definitely 100% doing the Yale story. That thing is just so amazing in and of itself, but we won't give it away. Some of you guys will probably read it, but when you hear our take on it, because I think we, I think we add a little bit of flavor to some of the stories. Because, um, like I said, with this one, there were red flags from the beginning that something was wrong, and we have to really be careful that people don't abuse the nonprofit system. Because again, they will use that system to manipulate you and to shame you if you want to say something bad about a nonprofit. How dare you say something bad about a nonprofit set up to help children, underprivileged children? So when you hear terms like that, when you're questioning things, you know that something is wrong. Where there's smoke, there's probably fire. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, All right, Galena, I can see you want to say something. I can see. <laughs> now, I've been trying to just just have like all these thoughts going through my head. I mean, it's what what I was it, and I wasn't surprised right by this, because unfortunately, government sometimes is a little bit slow in reacting or maybe introducing adequate oversight. 
But there was an interview, and in one of the articles, there was an interview with either a commissioner or someone who sort of oversees the charter schools, and they said that it's impossible to sh like either shut them down for negligence unless there is a health problem or there is another issue. So mismanagement didn't even come up, right? So the only way that you know there there could be some kind of review of the charter school is either a health problem or something else. Well, but and, and if we peel, if we peel back the layers, okay, think about this. A lot of times you have charter schools that exist because the public schools in the area are failing. So now you go from a failing public school to a charter school, even if the charter school is failing too, it's the same thing. So even if the charter school has a slight improvement, what do you do? Because you say it's an improvement. So there really has to be gross negligence because if you just shut it down, you've displaced hundreds, if not thousands of children. And so now you've also displaced their parents because let's just be honest, for a lot of people, a school is really a daycare during the day while they're trying to work. And rather than disrupting a system, being brave and disrupting a system when something is wrong, they let the system continue to work until something is overly egregious. That's really what it is. Yeah. Well, and think of the, the learning deficit that these students have. I mean, they probably have, they probably, and those early years are so incredibly important, but they're in a learning deficit. I mean, even if the teachers were good, they didn't have the resources. And then to shut down, like, hey, it's, depressing. I'm glad where I live. To have, to have the kids from different grades to be in one class and not knowing the names of your kids and, you know, being switched around all the time. That's, no. Well, now to answer Bonita's question, are you trying to tell me the charter school still exists? This charter school is closed. Here's what I imagine though. I'm willing to bet that there is another charter school that just took over that building because, well, think about it. Either you had to shuffle the kids into another public school that was in the area, which means that it was overcrowded, or another charter school had to come in and take over the space and actually run some sort of operation. So this particular charter school with this particular young lady is no longer around because she has just been found guilty of crimes and she's going to jail. So no, this one is not open, Benita, but there's gotta be another one there to replace it or some reshuffling that has to occur in the school district. So in the end, like one of you guys said, the kids are the ones who are actually hurt by all of this. Yeah, it was interesting. So I was just reading the uh, in one of the articles, just to continue about why it would take so long to your point, to add to your point, why it would take so long to shut it down. Um, they cannot put an immediate stop. It could take years, right? And they said because of the, there's little the board can do without a record of performance failures, which can take um, two years to establish, the school, school board's um, hands are tied unless there's a health or safety risk. Yep, that's it. Yeah. So go back to your point, bless you, in the beginning. I think this individual figured out the system, <laughs> yeah. to, be, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, so 
if we're being honest, I highly doubt it if the person intended on committing fraud. Here's what I think happened. Ooh, I can start a nonprofit because that's easy money. It's got to be easy to run a school. How hard can it be? You hire some teachers, you hire a principal, and then you collect the money. Running a school is hard. Running a school is hard. But have it's you ever usually, met some people? Go ahead, go ahead. Well, it's usually a passion project. Like my kid's charter school was a passion project. My husband was a, you know, education professor. He helped consult. These, I, I mean, it was, there was a need in the community and it was very, it had a focus and the focus was environmental. So I don't know if the school, I mean, in the 344 pages, maybe there was a focus, but it's my friend who I'm sitting next to calls it, it was word salad. Like none of it made sense. Right. Yeah. And that's what you find exactly to your point. It's a passion project for someone. They get in over their head and realize that it's something that you really can't do from an operational standpoint. And when things go awry, they kind of act like children. If you guys just the, the news story we just showed, look at how immature the person handled the news reporter. She put her hand over his camera. She didn't even know the law. She said, it's illegal to film me. It is very legal to film on public property. It is illegal to film on private property. So what did she do? She went and walked on private property. Well, their camera was still on public property, so they could still film into the private property. I mean, come on. So, but even when you looked, when they were talking to her, she turned her back, but yet she was still answering questions face the news camera and face the situation that you've created. Th these things alone indicate someone who is extremely immature, someone who was in over their head and didn't know how to handle the situation that they were in. That's why I don't believe she went into it to defraud, but I do think that she saw a system where she thought there was easy money. Even if you think about nowadays, people are always talking about, we can get federal grants and federal contracts and that's just easy. No, it's not easy. It is good money, but it's not easy money because you have to perform. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, she performed in the beginning by submitting 344 page application. So. <laughs> yeah. Now, Angelique says, if you were part of the school board convos during COVID, you'd know that parents were flying to charter schools because of closures. Yeah. <laughs> Bonita likes word salad. Bonita, are you hungry now? <laughs> I am. Oh, all I right, guys. Too. I really am. I'm about to make me a smoothie or something. <laughs> so look, episode 51 of the Friday Froster. We're talking about charter schools. And well, in this one, this young lady has been convicted and it's unfortunate. Well, she's been found guilty of uh, wire fraud and a couple of other things. And it's, it's unfortunate because, again, the kids are suffering. But really what's happening here, charter schools aren't bad. You just have sometimes some bad apples who come in and actually ruin it for everyone else. But there's a lot to be said for the governance and oversight structure when it comes to a lot of federal programs. I mean, the initial application here had a lot of red flags, 300 and some odd pages of nonsense. Board members who didn't even know that they were board members, vice presidents who didn't know that they were vice presidents. Within the first few months of operations, you went through three principals and many teachers were either terminated or quit and were told that they needed to take a pay cut. Now, how do you know at the beginning of your term that you need to take a pay cut when you hadn't even operated enough to see what your budget is? These are all red flags. And as Galena pointed out, 
you can't really shut them down unless it's something where you really almost killed someone. <laughs> I'm over-exaggerating just a little bit, but if it's an operational mess, you can't close them down. It has to be a health and safety issue. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And uh, another red flag I recall reading was about their board meeting minutes, right? Uh, one, one sentence, right? We, we met trying to find a location. Yeah. It was oh, after it was after the 344 page initial submission, right? So, yeah. Yeah, I almost forgot about that piece. Uh, so yeah, I mean, any system can be manipulated, but with some decent oversight, you can really head off some of the things that are happening now with the charter schools. Because again, this isn't the first charter school we've talked about on this show. Now, Benita asked earlier, was there an internal auditing function? No, Benita. The only time you're going to see those with charter schools is, is if it is a charter school that's run by a big company that is usually a publicly traded company. Then you're going to see some sort of internal auditing function. And Benita, she's got a kick out of that. We met. That's, that's basically what it said. Because, um, yeah, we, yeah, anyway, the minute said we met. <laughs> What'd you talk about? We met. <laughs> we had a margarita. We met. <laughs> Give me my money for my Range Rover. We met. And it's almost five o'clock in New York, you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Another piece of information that just was information for information's sake, right? You know? But think about that. That's really what it was. We met. <laughs> all right guys this this one was kind of sad and fun and informational at the same time if your kids are in a charter school be sure to go and ask questions i mean you know just ask questions my goodness heather said no it isn't no it isn't what what happened heather mm -hmm. <laughs> what, what did we do it's probably something i said mm-hmm well, sometimes, you know, when the kids don't really expect much, it's hard to, you know, if, you're, if your second grader comes home, right, and you don't think that they should have a computer, then you're not going to ask really those questions. And like I know my kindergartner, he comes home and said, what did you do at school? He goes, good. Healthy. No, what did you do at school? He says, good. So, <laughs> you know, sometimes the kids are a little tough to navigate, especially when it comes to school. And so it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, you're absolutely right. Go to school, talk to teachers, you know, toward the school, um, meet with the principal. So do your due diligence, basically, as a parent. I mean, unfortunately, in this situation, as, as sad as it is, it's just you know, you have to do your due diligence as a parent too. Well, and I, I'll take it a bit further. I would say as a citizen in the city, county, town, wherever you live as well. So yeah, you guys, episode number 51 of the Friday Froster. Thank you for joining us. Benita has a good closing word. Go have dinner, Kelly. Yep. She said she's a little bit smarter because of us. That must be because of Kelly and Galena, because you know I just kind of sit here and push buttons. That's my job function. So, 
Thank you for joining us, though, in all seriousness. Uh, tell your friends about the podcast. We're on all your podcasting platforms. Go give us a five-star rating in the Apple Store. Go to FridayFroster.com to listen to all of our episodes and to purchase some CPE if you want to just get some CPE for listening to a podcast. So thank you, guys, and we'll see you later. Goodbye.